0: If
2: you could only watch three wrestling matches, what would they be and why? This is what I'm asking some of wrestling's best. In the ring, outside the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. My guest today is a man I affectionately call the wrestling podcaster's wrestling podcaster. He's worked with the likes of Bruce Pritchard, Ric Flair arn anderson jim ross bringing amazing stories of wrestling to the ears of fans around the world not content we're just bringing them to the ears he is bringing them to the eyes through starcast ladies and gentlemen distinguished island guests this is conrad thompson
3: hey hey, it's conrad thompson and you're listening to the rick flair show Hey, hey it's conrad thompson and you're listening to something wrestle with hey hey it's conrad thompson and you're listening to Grillin' jr conrad thompson and you're listening to orange don't mess around with any
2: old rambling it's nice to actually be able to interview you for a change because i feel like all we hear is you interviewing other great people so it's nice for you to be the interviewee
3: thanks man i appreciate that i hope people are interested enough to uh, check it out i have to
2: apologize i have arranged this interview uh, uh under false pretenses with you because i'm after some mortgage advice
3: oh well you're in the right place i'd be (laughs) delighted to help with your mortgage because this this is a big part of what you do most of it yeah it's been my full-time job since 2001 so a long long time now you also work with
2: your family in that business as well i have to ask how do you find working with your family
3: uh challenging to say the least (laughs) i I discovered the mortgage business though and thought it was too good to keep to myself so I uh, I shared it with mom and dad and my sister and now I've got cousins and once upon a time I had an aunt and an uncle and everybody's got a shot at the mortgage business but no it's been the best thing that uh, my family's ever done for sure. I found the business first you know the industry and then recruited them into it and then eventually when I decided to sort of start my own thing I pitched and and they were were into it so now we all have the opportunity to work together and life is good.
2: We're going to send you on a desert island Conrad. We're going to ask you to take with you three wrestling matches. We'll burn three wrestling matches onto a DVD uh, that uh, you are happy to watch for the time that you're on the Desert Island. Let's just jump straight on in. So of all the wrestling that uh, you have watched over your lifetime, what would be the first wrestling match that you'd like to burn onto this DVD?
3: Uh, WrestleMania 13, Stone Cold and Bret Hart. It's the best match ever. To awaken from this nightmare,
4: you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes a breath, the hitman heart, then?
1: At a submission match. Somebody's going to give. Somebody's going to give.
4: You can't be counted out. You cannot be disqualified. You've got to quit to end the match.
3: Well, it wasn't uh, your standard match. You know, we had Ken Shamrock as a special guest referee, and it was a submission match. And you know, they had an opportunity to, you know, really punch each other, and then brawl out of the ring, and then go through the crowd, and up and over, and then there was other physicality, and then the blood just really added to it. But it was just positioned as more of a fight than a traditional wrestling match. And. I thought they pulled that off well without being so over the top that it wasn't believable. I think it's it's the best match ever.
2: Take us back to where you were when you watched that match.
3: Yeah, I watched it live uh, at my house. I was uh, 15 at the time. I got the pay-per-view uh, in my room and uh, I had a friend come over and we watched the show together. Uh, you no, know, it may have been the we had like a little den area upstairs. Maybe we watched it in there. But either way, it was it a great pay per view, and uh, my buddy and I really, really enjoyed the show.
2: Was this a friend that you always watch the pay per views with?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We actually mock him on something to wrestle now. Bruce calls him Clint from Hershey because my friend moved away uh, for a few years to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then he came back. So um, the only thing he and I have in common to this day is professional wrestling. Literally, um, yeah, literally nothing else just that outside of that we disagree on everything and anything how did you guys meet then oh school just you know we were both in school and 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 at the time there weren't a ton of wrestling fans this was before wrestling got really really hot so there was really just a handful of guys in in school who watched wrestling so those guys became your your friends just by de facto especially in the pay-per-view era where it was like well hey i'll get the wwe ones if you get or the WWF ones if you get the wcw ones and uh, once you found that, friend, you were in.
2: There was something about that special moment when you were at school and you find another wrestling fan because i had a i had a textbook which i'd which and, and i you know what conrad i'm among good friends and uh i had austin 316 written all over this textbook sure and it was and it was literally the sight of that textbook that the lad next to me went oh you're a wrestling fan and and it's very similar to yours we became friends ever since then uh was there a little lightning bolt moment like that for you with with um with your friends
3: Yeah, I don't remember the exact moment, but I know that uh, once it became apparent, it may have even been that one of us wore an NWO shirt to school. I don't know, but once it became apparent, you know, we started talking about that pretty exclusively. And then, you know, our our little wrestling group expanded from two guys to three guys to four guys to five guys to six guys. And, you know, at at the time, you know, in in high school, everything your, your life is consumed with, you want to fit in. You want to be cool. You don't want to be sort of the oddball, and uh, wrestling fandom at times can make you feel like the oddball, so when you you find some guys who are sort of like-minded, you gravitate to them, and maybe you don't share the rest of your life with them, and maybe you don't have a lot of other stuff in common with them, but wrestling's enough.
2: We are hours away from the beginning of the Wednesday Night War, Conrad. Isn't it an exciting time to be a fan?
3: Yeah, I think it's the best time ever to be a fan, if I'm honest with you. Just the access that fans have now to the talent and You know, just the idea that once upon a time, if I wanted to see a a sort of obscure match, I had to go find a stranger and send him a money order and wait three or four weeks and hope a VHS showed up. And now, literally, what we're talking together on right now, we could pull up any match, almost ever, anywhere. It's just uh, the ease of access is just unparalleled. So, great time to be a fan.
2: You speak very regularly with Jim Ross and Anderson. What's the feeling in the camp hours before this massive day
3: well I haven't talked to either one this week I would assume that uh, they're all nervous and anxious I know that you know as we're talking now it's a Tuesday Jim flew into uh, to town today and they're doing the production meeting today I'm sure and maybe have a little private announcer meeting and they'll be ready tomorrow I know that uh, Jim Ross will be ready he's always game day ready and he looks forward to the big day and he's sort of been in the habit of this now with aew doing a handful of shows. But I think Tony will be the most nervous of all, Uh, even though Tony always says that he's the, the king of NFL TG. He still really does care, and he wants to do a good job. And he doesn't necessarily care what people on Twitter thinks, but he cares what the performers think. He cares what Tony thinks. He cares what JR thinks. So, I know for sure that Shivani's is going to be very focused on doing a great job tomorrow.
2: This really feels like a bit of a comeback party for Tony. This is my first time ever
1: on being the elite. How about that? I've got a great announcement to make. The rumors are true. I have now joined All Elite Wrestling.
3: Woo! He has been doing, you know, stuff with MLW, but it is very much a comeback from a a mainstream standpoint. So I'm sure he's nervous. I'm sure he's excited. I'm sure his family will be watching. It's going to be a big day for the Shavali.
1: Baltimore, the colorful, diverse city that is Maryland's largest city and economic hub. Known for its beautiful harbor, distinct neighborhoods, unique museums, and delicious crab cakes baltimore has been the setting for such iconic moments in wrestling superstar billy graham defeating bruno sammartino for the wwf title the second annual crockett cup came to baltimore ron simmons became the first african-american world champion and in 1990, at the Great American Bash, a WCW signature event that made its home in Baltimore, the man called Sting would don the red, white, and blue to take on the champion Ric Flair in what would go on to be his first of numerous world title victories. And this November, Sting returns to Baltimore, and for the first time in decades, will return to the red, white, and blue, the jacket, the face paint the actual world title he won in baltimore back in 1990 we've got it a photo opportunity like no other
2: and only available at starcast 4
1: visit starcast.com for more information
2: StarCast 4. I'm fascinated by the lineup that you've got. It's kind of what I've always called sort of the weird 90s of WCW. Kind of that finding the sides era, which I'm in love with. Like Shockmaster, Van Hammer, the Yeti, the Ding Dongs are all going to be there. How did you get hold of the Ding Dongs?
3: It's not that awfully hard to find uh, find a couple of Ding Dongs on the wrestling business.
0: <laughs> from Belvo, USA. Total combined win.
4: What happens? They look like it could be a wild. To, that's well, um, wild
3: outfits they got on. Sure is. I guess we'll call that one ding and the other one dong for lack of a better <laughs> one. I don't know. Side headlock by uh, number one. Ding dong number one. Good football tackle. Down goes Cougar J. This is a very bizarre team. They have bells on their ankles and their wrists, and they're bringing a the bell. they got a bell in their corner that they're ringing like crazy. Well, they're from Belleville. What else? I was looking for something different, and when I got Sting to confirm that he would do the old red, white, and blue face paint jacket, which is something he hasn't done for decades, and the red, white, and blue is my childhood. You know, He won the world title in July of 1990. i just turned nine years old. I remember the pay-per-view like it was yesterday. It was the height of our wrestling fandom as a kid, and Sting became my guy. You know, Sting action figures, Sting T-shirts, Sting posters, Sting whatever. Sting was my guy, and I think once that Crow character caught fire for Sting in 1996, he, I don't I don't think he's ever dressed in in anything differently. It's been pretty consistently Crow from from you know September of '96 to now. So when you think about, it, he's gonna wear you know, this style paint for the first time in 24 years and specifically almost 30 years since he's worn the red, white, and blue, the Stars and Stripes. And you get your picture made with him in that, plus the red, white, and blue jacket, plus the actual belt he won that night. Like, that's fantasy camp stuff, man. It makes me think about being a nine-year-old at the height of my fandom more so than the jaded 38-year-old I really am. When he agreed to do that, I thought, okay, this is my this is my opportunity to try to reach out and do some different stuff. So I thought about, you know, all the silly sort of botchamania gimmicks, whether it was Glacier or it was Johnny B. Bad or it was uh, Shockmaster or the Ding Dongs or RoboCop. There were so many sort of silly, over-the-top things. I started to just take a stab at all of them. And uh, once we announced, you know, sort of our headliners from an AEW perspective, the Young Bucks and, of course, Cody and Brandy and, um I think uh, Hangman Page and Moxley, all those, like a lot of the big stars on AEW have already been announced. So after that, it became, well, what should we do now? And, and seeing in the red, white, and blue with the real big gold belt, that felt like the first announcement we should make. And then after that, you know, we started to have some fun. So what's better than just a Sting photo op? What about a Sting and a Robocop photo op? And then we started to add to it. So now it's Shockmaster and Van Hammer and the Yeti and the Ding Dongs. And- Any chance of the Hunchback's turning up? If we ever saw the Hunchback, I would love to have a Hunchback. I'd love to have a Bill Ding. I mean, there's a lot of really, really great silly gimmicks that we didn't get. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll be happy until I can book Jim Hurd and put Judy Bagwell on a forklift. I'm going to continue to try either and both or all of those. We'll see how it goes. Surely
2: Judy's available.
3: <laughs> well, I don't know, she might be booked. I don't know what
5: <laughs> Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass."
2: second match of your dvd so we've got a belter in bret hart and steve austin from wrestlemania 13 what's your
3: second match going to be it's going to be rick flair and terry funk at clash of champions new york knockout from december of 1999 you see i don't
1: want your belt that gold belt i don't want your family i don't want your money i want something that's more valuable than that ever will be i want your pride because we're not talking about championship belts we're not talking about women or cars we're talking about something that both you and i have held higher than anything else and held first and foremost in our two careers and that's pride that's integrity and that's guts
3: we have about 30 minutes of airtime remaining no falls in this one no disqualifications no count out we're going to keep it right here as long as we possibly can i don't see how a match with these kind of stipulations can go very long gordon quite honestly big chop and funk already knocked out over the ring clash the champions was on free tv but he had fought terry funk on pay-per-view and i had seen those on vhs but by the time it came around for it to be on regular tvs there was no chance i was missing it that was a big fight feel the announcing is really really great and the match itself showed a different side of flair and a different side of funk. And, you know, both of those guys had once upon a time been more traditional um, technical wrestlers. And here, they're just brawling, and it, it still works. So, great match, showed a different side of flair. Really, really dug it.
2: Any chance of Terry Funk maybe doing something StarCast-based in the near future?
3: Uh, he's been invited to all of them. He's been booked at two of them. Uh, the first one, he was sick. The second one... Um, his uh, wife passed away, so uh, we tried again for three and weren't able to make something happen. Uh, of course, I'm, I would love to have him at four and, you know, have everybody we could from those old Great American bachelor's right there in Baltimore.
0: He got the fifty-four. No. That puts pressure on five different points. The pain is. In-
2: People will be listening to this and know you as the wrestling podcaster's wrestling podcaster. Uh, certainly how, how, how I'm, I became familiar with you because uh, you do amazing sit-down podcasts with Bruce Pritchard and Shivani and Jim Ross, now on Anderson.
3: Bruce was the first out of this batch. but my first podcast was with Ric Flair. And it was called the um, Woo Nation. And then eventually we started a second version of the same thing and called it uh, The Ric Flair Show. And then as the Rick Flair show started to wind down, I started up Bruce Pritchard, and they overlapped for I don't know maybe three months, and then the Rick Flair show came to an end, and uh, Something to Wrestle became the, the hottest podcast in the uh, in the niche. I met all those guys through doing Rick show because at one time or another they were all guests, so that's how I met everybody. But I pitched Bruce, uh, I pitched Tony, uh, Eric pitched me, I pitched Arn, and I pitched uh, Jr. and I'm, I'm thankful that, that I was lucky enough to be invited four times and lucky enough to sell it another time.
2: Is there anybody else that you would love to do a podcast
3: with? Oh, absolutely. I think it would be tremendous with Michael Hayes, with Jeff Jarrett, or Paul Heyman, or all three. I'm too busy right now. But I've reached my maximum capacity right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to your third and final wrestling match, uh, for your DVD that you're going to take onto a desert island with you. What's it going to be, Conrad?
3: I'll go uh, the first Hell on a sale, Bad Blood 97. You know, it was just such a great match at the time. I was not really a super fan of Undertaker or Shawn Michaels, but that match itself is about as close to a perfect match as you can get, especially from a cage match standpoint. There's lots of athleticism, but lots of violence and some blood. For
4: two months, the self-proclaimed master antagonist has launched a calculated and brutal war of destruction on the phenom of the World Wrestling Federation.
1: I made you taste your blood once! You are gonna taste it again!
4: And like hyenas rabid from the scent of a fresh kill, his pack of allies have been quick to join the slaughter.
1: We came, we saw,
4: and we kicked the dead man's ass! But tonight, within the unforgiving confines of a specially constructed steel cell, the cocksure tormentor will become the tormented. Tonight, Shawn Michaels will stare into the eyes of a merciless reaper, hell-bent on revenge. There'll be no Helmsley, no China, no insurance policy to save his soul.
2: Tonight, there's no way in, no way out, no one to stop the kind. Picked like a really iconic gimmick match. What kind of new gimmick match would you love to see? Or maybe see, or what match would you like to see return under AEW?
3: I don't really have a match I'd like to see return. You know, as far as a gimmick match, I can't imagine one better than the latter match that the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks turned in in Chicago. I think that's one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. And the idea that anybody thinks that they need a different type of gimmick match I would suggest that no that's the perfect type right there
2: that is all your three matches for the DVD. Uh, before I let you go, um, I'd like to give you the floor. Anything that you want to plug, anything you want to shout about, this is your time to do so, sir.
3: No, man, I appreciate everybody listening. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, hey it's Conrad, and uh, if you're of state Stateside, you got to come to StarCast, starcastcom
2: Easily done. Conrad, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Best of luck with everything with StarCast 4, and, and here's to many, many more. Thank
3: you very much.